All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Buyer's Market Podcast. I'm joined by a very special guest today, Adrian Russell. I've been following him on LinkedIn now for probably about a year and a half or two years. And uh, if you haven't been following him and you haven't seen me like his post, I'd encourage you to check it out because uh, you'll get a you'll get a little experience from just hearing him today. But uh, just I, I can't I can't express enough how excited I am to have him because of the work he's doing. We'll get into that here in a second. But I want to set the table a little bit and uh, just go through this long list of uh, some of Adrian's recent accomplishments. So Adrian's currently the director of DEI and procurement for Shield Sexton. He's executive board member at ACE Mentor Program. He was recently recognized by the Ball State University College of Architecture and Planning as graduate of the decade. The award recognizes significant impact on designer construction industry, the built environment, their community or society at large. And he's also the founder of Russell's Building Camp, which after we get into that, you'll understand why he won that award. Um, so and by the way, Adrian didn't ask me to say any of that. And so this is he's a very modest person. So I had to do it. Adrian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot, Matt. I'm very delighted to be on, and that's an honor. So thanks a lot, and I'm looking forward to this. I really am. Awesome. So so am I. You know, we always talk to the guests beforehand, and we had a great conversation. And you know, we're um, I'm hopeful that this podcast episode is just the start of a great relationship and us uh, helping each other. Because you know, uh, what I was most excited about with Adrian is so many of our passions align. So he's passionate about construction. He's passionate about helping people. He's passionate about helping people better their lives through understanding how to provide for themselves. And he just does an incredible job of reaching people and children and showing everyone, young adults, like how that they can how they can leverage construction to create a different life for themselves. Um, I wouldn't be I would be I don't know where I would be if I, it wasn't for construction. So that's what drives my passion. And so I'm really interested to hear Adrian's story here, what made him so passionate about it. And then the other uh, way our, our, um, we align is he's a really good content creator. And uh, those who've been following me for you know a couple of years know I, I'm also passionate about mentorship. I created content around that. And I can tell you from someone who's created leadership content, Adrian's better than me. So uh, check his leadership content out. Um, so hey, you're off to a great start, man. You're off to <laughs> an awesome start. This is going just fine for me. He's too nice. He's too nice. Uh, all right, Adrian. So let's get into the meat of this. Uh, enough of the um, praised everything. We'll, we'll tell everyone why I'm so excited to talk to you. So um, obviously you won the award from Ball State University. So that's where you went to school. So I'm interested. What drew you to the construction program initially? Uh, wow. I would actually say that failure is actually what led me to construction or what at the time I perceived as failure. So initially, you had mentioned the ACE Mentor Program, of which I am an executive board member for the Indiana chapter. And initially, I went to Ball State University uh, as an architecture student. My first year at Ball State, I was accepted into its esteemed College of Architecture and Planning as a first-year architecture student. And I'll say that you know, going through the first year of the program, I definitely had struggles, some of which I did not anticipate and understand that my lifelong dream was to be an architect. You know, I've been in art my entire life. I've always been into drawing people and buildings and the environment around us. And naturally, when I was young, I was uh, directed in the direction of architecture. Going through the program at Ball State, uh, just to be quite honest, one thing that I struggled with at the time, and it's actually led to a lot of my passions now, one thing that I struggled with at the time was the fact that, you know, uh, African-Americans were so underrepresented. I was only one of three African-Americans in a design studio of over 100. 
that was something I really struggled with because I had never experienced anything like that before, as well as the curriculum. And I'm not uh, meaning to trash the program in any sense, but I would say the curriculum was a very abstract uh, focus where me, myself, I think I see the world very practically. And it was something that I really struggled with over the course of my first year and going into my uh, the summer before my sophomore year. You know, I shared these struggles with some of my mentors uh, and even uh, some of the faculty, and they actually directed me to a conversation with the head of the construction program at Ball State, who actually happened to be an architect. And we had a very uh, healthy dialogue throughout that summer. And he told me he thought it would be best if I gave construction a try. You know, for me, that was something that was a little out of the ordinary for what I thought I wanted to do with my career. But I'll say I actually joined the construction program and the rest is history. I absolutely fell in love with it. It was a perfect fit and I've been incredibly passionate about construction ever since then. So I would say that what I perceived as failure actually is what helped redirect me to my passion, which is construction. Yeah, that that's a that's a great story. And uh, um, I want to touch a little bit on the mentorship, too, because it, it makes so much sense why you're passionate about it when you were helped during that critical time in your life where, you know, if you don't know what you're going to do, um, it's it's tough to move forward. I, I know personally I, I was I was going to school to be a high school history teacher and a basketball coach. And um, I was trying to pay for my school, too. And when I realized I didn't want to be a high school history teacher and I didn't want to coach basketball, I didn't know what to do. And I ended up dropping out of college because I didn't have that mentor. I didn't have people that were pointing me in the right direction. So um, the construction industry is very lucky that people are pointing you in the right direction because you've made quite an impact. Um, I'm curious, you know, when you're going from architecture to construction, there was some reluctance to that. And uh, I think I know what the answer to that is. But what was the reluctance to going from architecture to construction, at least perceived? Man. Awesome questions. I remember a time when I was a kid and I was a young kid and uh, driving past, I want to say back in Indianapolis, my mom, she was driving, I was in the back seat and I think we were going past uh, the Children's Museum in Indianapolis and it was under uh, reconstruction. There was an addition going on, a really cool addition. And I remember sitting there at a traffic stop, backed up in traffic and you know i saw some of the guys walking around with you know the safety vests on and the boots and the hard hats you know and i saw some of the heavy machinery and equipment that they were working and i told my mom at the time i was a young kid i said i want to do that one day and i said i'm going to do construction one day and it's funny my mom actually corrected me and she said no she said you're not going to do that you're going to do something that requires you to go to college you're going to actually have a career that's what my mom said and to be honest with you, that line of thinking is so prevalent where in many ways, I think that for me coming up construction, there's a lot of false perceptions that surround construction and what it is and even the building trades. So early on, I was somewhat discouraged from wanting to go into construction and being one of those guys that you might see working with hard hats on and boots and getting dirty and, you know, something more white collar or something that one would think requires a collegiate background was the direction in which I was pointed. And I think that's also something where architecture kind of took a hold of me early on in my life. Funny mm -hmm. story, but that is actually a true story. No, I, I believe it. And I, you hit on kind of where my head was at, where, you know, um, and I'm interested in your opinion on this because I, I, I've heard this consistently from people because I, I, I talk to people about this, especially, especially 
active youth who I see are struggling what to do. It's like, hey, I, I know how you can get that energy out and work with your hands and be productive. And, you know, I, we obviously all know the benefits of that. But the perception is that construction and the trades are less than. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and I'm not really sure where that necessarily came from. I I like the comment from your mom that resonates with me because I can understand from a parent's standpoint, especially having a mother that grew up during a time like we both are on construction sites. Safety is way different now than it was before. Right. So I can understand people's perception before where it's like, no, I don't want my kid working in a foundry. I don't want my kid working where I hear about people die all the time. And it's a very dangerous place. And there's asbestos and all this stuff. And so I can understand why that there would be a concern from a parent's standpoint. I don't I don't know where we went from concern for health to it's less than or looked down upon to do something that takes an incredible amount of skill and effort. What, what do you think about that? No, you hit the nail on the head. And honestly, I mean, just go back to when you and I were in school you know, college was what was pushed, you know, by all of the faculty, uh, all of the, you know, academic advisors. I mean, the educational community for so many years pushed college, college, college. And in some ways, I think the trades were frowned upon. And you, I mean, safety, the the perception of it being a dangerous industry, you're absolutely right. That played a factor. And then also just think of some of the narrow, of some of the negative stereotypes that surrounded construction. You know, you think of a, let's just be honest, a, a fat, rude guy, you know, whistling at women, you know, with his clothes hanging off of him in a, a dingy, torn up t-shirt. There's so many bad perceptions and stereotypes that surrounded the industry during a time in which college was encouraged for really a generation or multiple generations to where I think that in some ways the trades as a viable career path, it really fell out of favor with so many American families and households. Yeah, and and that's unfortunate. Uh, it really is because of all the benefits. But I feel like you know it's it's stuff it's stuff like you're doing that's changing that. And um, I'll add a little bit more to the perception the fat person. You know, I'd say there's another perception of you know the fat white guy that's out there doing that. Like I think that's probably a negative perception of it's a hillbilly out there. That's who likes to do construction, which is to me another stereotype. It's ridiculous, right? Like hey, my. The, the, those are stereotypes, but they couldn't be any more untrue, honestly. Yes. Absolutely. And I don't like to get too much into my personal life outside of uh, this, but I, my wife, uh, my wife, I have a Filipino wife and she's in construction. She works for a custom home builder. Uh, wow. it's, and she loves it. And she, she recently got into it too. And she got into it later in life. She was a nurse and she was like, I want to do this. I like doing this. It's like, have at it, babe. Like that we, the construction industry needs that. Absolutely. I'll tell you this, and this is the honest and goodness truth. Some of the most fascinating people that I've ever met, fascinating in so many ways from diverse backgrounds. You mentioned a Filipino wife. I actually have a Filipino, very good friend of mine who is a youth pastor. Uh, he is a, a construction estimator, an avid Purdue University <laughs> supporter and diehard. I mean, I'll say that I've met so many diverse, remarkable people in this industry to where that that really is our task, I think, is really defying those perceptions and stereotypes and showing really the world and this society that, no, this is perhaps the greatest industry there is. And I mean that in all honesty. I, I do, too. I, you know, I, I tell people that don't really understand. I was, you know what? Some of the stereotypes 
they are out there, right? Some of those people are out there, but you know what people don't talk about? I've met so many salt of the earth would literally yeah. give you the shirt off their back the first day they met you. And some of the most clever, intelligent people that maybe they don't speak the best, they might not be able to do it, but they can tell they can tell you what the rating should be for that chokehold just as just as well as an engineer can. And I don't think those stereotypes are talked about enough in my experience. The negative people and the negative the, those negative stereotypes, they represent less than 10 percent of the people that Absolutely. are actually out there. Absolutely. That, that's who gets the that's who get, that's that's who we get stuck with. <laughs> Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Awesome. So um Hopefully this is this is starting to change that. I want to get back. I want to jump back into your career journey here because uh, I, you know, got so much to catch up on before we get all the way to Russell's building camp. And I want to make sure we highlight that here as we walk through your story. So you got into construction, and then you got you got you got finished with the program. Um, was it pretty easy for you to find a job? Did you like the first? The, did you like it when you first started actually working? What was it like when you first got out of school and actually started in the construction field? Oh man. Once again, we're talking about failure here. I'll say that, you know, I had one of the, the best job offers for my graduating class at Ball State, you know, heading into a graduating semester in the spring of 2011 uh, with a very, very reputable national firm, uh, which operates one of its offices out of Indianapolis. And I was actually uh, the first day at work, I showed up on a billion dollar hospital project downtown Indianapolis. And that sounds cool and it sounds great. And, you know, as a college student that you imagine yourself building the greatest buildings in the world, it was every college kid's dream. The reality was that dream was actually a nightmare because I showed up to a job site where, just to be honest with you, it was a sink or swim environment. And I, I mean, by no means do I want to make this a race thing, but let's just be honest, in reality, when you show up and you're on a team of amongst hundreds of people on a billion dollar project and there's no one that you see that you feel that can relate to you, I mean, you're kind of a fish out of water at that point. So having said that, I'll say that my first couple of years in the industry, it was tough, man. It was so tough. It was rough. A uh, lot of headache, bumped my head many times. You know, I didn't honestly, my first few years in this industry, I didn't really think I was a good fit for it at all. And at one point, I, you know, I was looking for another career path, just to be honest with you. I thought maybe I'll get into mentoring, maybe I'll get more into the speaking, other things that I was gifted in. But I'll say that, you know, it started out rough early on and I learned a lesson that I think many have learned, which is not every bad experience is tied to the industry itself. It just may not be the, an ideal fit for the employee and the employer. So having said that, once again, it was a testament to great mentorship that helped redirect me. And eventually I found my footing and the rest is history. That's that's a great point. And those who don't, those who haven't been on a large construction project, it's so unique. It's a it's it's its own world. You could you could have a you could a large construction project is is the whole culture is dictated by the by the leadership team on that Absolutely. site. Doesn't matter how good of a company it is. Doesn't matter how good of a corporate office you have. The people that are on that side every day that are leadership that make the decisions are the ones that drive the culture. And so it's you. You definitely do have. I've I've been on some bad construction projects, and it it starts right there at the PM, and it just works its way down. Right. Um, right. There's so many folks that I come in contact with years later. I mean, we we were talking ten years ago. There's so many that were seasoned vets that I've come in contact with, and they talk about that project. And while it was an amazing project. 
and a, a great experience as far as just the the publicity around the project and the notoriety. The reality was, you know, the environment bringing so many different firms and contractors together to make a project team. So many moving parts, moving a thousand miles a minute. I mean, it's it's a stressful environment. Probably not the best environment for a new hire directly out of school with not much experience. Yeah. I, I want to circle back. I want to circle back to 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 your point about um, that you made. You know, you said uh, you know it's it's sink or swim, and you know it's uh, you didn't want to make it about race. But I mean, it, we, we, the reality is that some of that stuff probably does come into play about who picks who to mentor. Because I I know that I had a um, I had a similar experience as as you had where it I think construction in general is sink or swim and I've kind of taken that for granted because it's like there most companies don't have a great training program they want you on the job so you're billable or you're being productive not a lot of off-site training provided especially ahead of time you kind of got to prove that you're worth to get the training it's like don't kill yourself don't mess anything up and then we'll train you and see if you're any good <laughs> it's somewhat like that yes and um so my experience through that I it was I'll I'll be honest it was hard um, but what I've never really thought about is, you know, even though I was different than a lot of people because I was young and I spoke differently and um, I still kind of looked like some of them to a certain degree. And I'm sure that that helped me. Uh, how did you navigate that situation? How did you figure out who was in your who was in your corner, who was against you? How did you sift through and find the right mentors in that environment where you didn't have people that looked like you? Really, to be honest with you, I think it, it's just the fact that I was lucky. I was mm -hmm. lucky to be honest with you. You know, I stumbled upon the ACE mentor program. Fortunately enough, I met outstanding mentors that have played a huge factor in my career and in my life, some of which I'm still in contact with frequently today. I mean, till the day I die, they'll be my mentor. Having said this, you know, I was lucky, but there's so many like yourself, like myself, where they don't, they're not so fortunate to have a, a vet that's looking out for them and championing their cause. Uh, so once again, these things and those realities, that's a passion that has led me to make sure that I can be that for someone knowing that it absolutely freaking sucked to be in a position where, you know, that sink or swim mentality, the sink or swim environment is, you know, is champion as almost a bastion of pride within this industry. But the reality is it's easy, it's easier for some it's easier for some than others to 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 champion a sink or swim environment. That's yeah. just the reality, because I'll tell you what, I could take you or you could take me. We could take one another to environments that are totally foreign to us. And I bet we wouldn't be so quick to say, oh, it's a sink or swim. No, it's easy to say when things are favorable and the outcomes are favorable to the individual championing that environment. Yeah. And I would say that where we're different, but where we're similar is where we both speak well. And I think we're both a little bit charismatic where people probably naturally like us a little bit. And mm -hmm. so if you don't have that personality, it's probably even more difficult for you to find a mentor. And I, you know, it's, I, I used to run a global safety program and uh, that was one of the things we talked about a lot. It's, it, you know, you hear a lot, I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they did that. It's like, we don't train people. We don't train our supervision. We don't do it. It's like, well, that's the way it's always been. It's like, well, then don't expect different results. Right. Like, and the other thing you're doing is you're, you're, you're forcing yourself to, to select from a much smaller pool because now what you just identified, now you got to be able to, your personality absolutely has to be able to fit in well enough to where someone's going to want to gravitate to you and help you. And if you don't get that, it's going to be very difficult for you to succeed. And the other thing that I think is crazy about construction at times is it happens at every level. It's like it happens when you first start, but then as you keep moving up, it's like, 
Oh, you've never done this before? Hey, go run this project. Do not lose money. Do not lose yeah. money on this project. <laughs> yep. It's like, okay, I've never done this before. I hope I don't lose money because I don't want to get fired. <laughs> yep. You're so right, man. You're so right. But once again, these are the challenges that we have to, to change some of these, I'll say, uh, some of the ways of our industry. It's a great industry, but like anything else, I mean, it can evolve with time for the better. Yes. A absolutely. And that, you know, that that's really what heartens me when I see some of your stuff. It's like, you know, even if some of these kids never get into construction, they have that opportunity, right? And if they never actually execute and they don't want to work, they have this skill that no one will ever be able to take away. And, you know, that's invaluable. Um, what was your transition like as you went from, as you started to get into supervision? Um, was, uh, was that an easy path or was there, you know, some more struggles and how'd you navigate that? I think that one, I mean, you mentioned the fact that, you know, you and I have been charismatic and good speakers. I think that really helped. I would say communication is something that I've always been very strong in. And that really comes from the way that I was raised. It comes from, you know, growing up in a religious background, you know, having to speak to elderly quite often. I recall when I was a child and my mom, who was a stay at home mom who supported her children's education, one thing that my mom would do, she would work in a ministry where, you know, she would go around and visit the elderly and, you know, those that were, you know, what they call sick and shut in. So having said that, you know, I would go with my mom to visit the elderly. And I think at an early age that gave me a good confidence and a seasoning as far as speaking to and entreating elderly, respectable individuals. So that's something that paid dividends in my career then and now. So I think the fact that, you know, I've always been able to communicate very well, very respectively, both written and verbal communication, that really helped my leadership and really establishing trust with really everyone that I've come in contact with as far as leading them in any form of an initiative. Yeah, I love how you want to trust because that's what it's all about, especially on people don't understand the level of trust that it takes when you're working in some of these environments and you're really, right. you're relying on your teammate, you're relying on everyone to make sure everything's good. And if you don't have that trust, it, the job goes slower, more mistakes happen because you're thinking about things more. Um, so I like how you went to trust and it's awesome that you were able to leverage all these experiences. Um, I'm interested kind of off a uh, sidebar, but I'm interested in how um, interacting with elderly at a young age, if that made an impact on you beyond the communication, but just seeing what it was like to be shut in and knowing that that, you know, that could happen to any of us. Did that have an effect on you or did I really register at that age? It absolutely had an effect. And it also, one, it gave me an appreciation for, you know, I would just say my own youthfulness, my own physical abilities. It gave me an appreciation for that. But then it also allowed me to see that, you know, while they may not have had, you know, let's say the physical uh, abilities that I had or what have you, I also knew that they were sharp as a tack when it came to their minds. And there was so much that I was able to glean from and learn from from them to where I've always had the mind to respect the elderly and know that they've really been there, done that. And there's so much that I stand on even to this day that came from elderly individuals. So, you know, I know that it, it's really a, a beautiful thing takes place when generations are able to co-mingle and cohabitate and really draw the best out of one another. A beautiful harmony takes place. And I think well, that's something that this industry could also use absolutely is that. Yeah, I, 100%. We can, it, it's amazing to me when people look in either direction and think you can't learn from people. I learned 
I, I learned, I learned a lot from kids that are 20 years old that I talked to. It's like, they're, yeah. they're way different. And then I still yeah. learn a lot from my grandfather who I'm close with, who, you know, he's 80 something years old and he's still yeah. teaching me stuff. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, I, I feel like people, if they don't even look in both directions, they look in one direction and say, I can't, that's a kid. What are they going to teach me? Or you've been out of the game for too long. What are you going to tell me? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Right. Uh, so, okay. Now we're, so now we're kind of moving through your career here. So, um, how did your current position come up? And I know, uh, you know, I know you're a big Shield Sexton fan. I think you told me that's your dream job. So you're really happy yeah. with where you're at. So do you mind telling us, how did you end up at your dream job and, um, and what that looked like when you came out, when you started? Could be destiny, my friend. It could be destiny. <laughs> Years ago, you know, I was dying to work at Shield Sexton. Actually, my daughter's mom, she actually babysat uh, for a uh, high-ranking individual on the show sex and team and for whatever reason i could never get in the door and i would always badger him to you know <laughs> see if he would you know pass my resume along or what have you that's years ago and i could never get in the door i grew up not far from the show sexton a corporate office here in indianapolis uh, but you know having said this you know i've chased my own passions and you know working in the community and really you know uplifting the underrepresented the disenfranchised mentoring young people and really using the things that I've learned in construction to really be a bridge for those that, you know, stand in need. And even to show young people from my communities that they have an awesome career opportunity within construction itself. And these are passions that I've pursued for years and I've, you know, been in the work. None of us knew that, you know, the things that transpired last year in our country, we didn't know those things were going to take place from the George Floyd killing and the social unrest that followed to the global pandemic that offset all of us. We didn't know those things were going to take place, but the fact that they did show Sexton, they were active in wanting to continue to be a leader in uh, the local central Indiana construction industry and championing diversity, equity, and inclusion. And they were able to show me that this, these were initiatives and efforts that they had long made prior to the fallout that we saw in 2020. But having said this, I think that Shill appreciated the fact that I had long been in the work as well. So I think that there was a natural relationship that was formed on these lines. And, you know, the rest really, I keep saying this, but the rest is history where, you know, I went from a project manager to still working in a construction firm, but now working as director of diversity, equity, and inclusion. All your passions align. That's absolutely that's a beautiful thing right there, right? Absolutely. Beautiful thing. Um, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm interested in if you could just talk a little bit about, um, I saw, I, I was, I was consuming some of your content before this and I saw a video with you and a couple of your, um, a couple of your coworkers talking about what it meant to work with people like you and how you felt like Shield Sex and they lived that by, by you had someone to look up to. Um, why, why don't you tell everyone who's listening who maybe doesn't understand what that means to walk into somewhere and find and see someone that does look like you and what that, just how that makes you feel. And um, if it, I, you know, I, I don't want to steal your thunder, but if you could just kind of talk about some of the things you were talking about in that video for our audience, I think that'd be great. Yeah, so those were actually two African-Americans that are young. One is uh, a new hire out of college. Another is young in his career where he has, I believe, three years experience. And, you know, they've joined our show Sexton team. And, you know, they were really just really just rejoicing in the fact that, you know, the show Sexton family has been so welcoming 
in helping them establish themselves in their careers as well as their time here at Shill Sexton, and they are very appreciative. And you know that was not pre-planned. It wasn't practice or pre-scripted in any kind of way. We just turned the camera on, and you know you just caught three individuals that just so happened to be African Americans. But we could have been a woman. We could have been Latino. We could have been you know a Native American. Any diversity group. We could have belonged to any of those groups. We just so happened to be African Americans, and it was really cool to know that in an industry that has long struggled with diversity to know that we are three professional African-American young men in construction operations, it was a pretty cool feeling. And the fact that all of us could really, as I said, rejoice in the fact that we are so happy to work for a company such as Shill Sexton, it was an amazing feeling. Yeah, I um, I believe the one gentleman said, you know, it's, it's encouraging to him to see someone that looks like him in a position that he aspires to get to. And, um, you know, I, I I, I try and understand that, but at the end of the day, I don't. I, I I'll never truly understand what that what what that feels like because I I have not been in that position. So all I can do is continue to listen and try and understand. But that was a uh, you know that that was I feel like I'm pretty in tune and and open minded. But that was something I was like, ah, it's you know I I maybe I don't think about that enough. Like maybe I you know because. I think we all view ourselves a little bit different. And so, yeah. you know, and everybody does have their thing and everyone's got their struggle. And so I think sometimes it's it's easy to get involved in your own struggle and not really try and understand like, yeah, maybe you did have a heart, but there's other things other people went through too. Not saying, you know, one's harder than the other for whatever reason, but it's, um, I don't know. I just feel like it's, uh, it's not it's not talked about in a positive way enough or an understanding way. It's, it's kind of bat bantered about not from a conversational standpoint where you're, you're listening to this young gentleman talk about how he started with the program and how that really encouraged him when most other people start in the program and they probably already see that, right. You know, yeah. a, a young white man, I see, I see that I can be CEO and um, I go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm with you 100%, but I'll say this. I mean, if we're going to use a word understanding Matt. I even as an African-American young man, I understand that I also have to understand things from your vantage point and your perspective as well. And I think that that's where so many of us drop the ball, where it's not, you know, for the next two or three years, this group is at the advantage and this group is at the disadvantage and vice versa. There, No, I think what we all need to do is find commonality and understanding one another, regardless of who we are, where we're from, what we look like or what color we are. We all need to have understanding of one another because in reality, we all suffer hardships, every last one of us. But key is really understanding and empathizing with one another, regardless of who we are, or what we look like. Be beautifully said, beautifully said. That's the art, that's the art out in you coming, or the art in you coming out, because I was, well articulated and I, I mean I can't I couldn't agree more I've um I always tell I, I tell people when I hear someone make uh an offhanded comment or an off-color comment I say what would you how would you feel if someone was standing right there you know, how how would you feel how would you yeah. feel about it? if that person was standing right there how would you feel about the way you made them feel I wouldn't care yeah right you see some of these people that are they don't care but they don't care because they don't have to actually see it they don't see right, the repercussions right. of their actions and as soon as you get to it's hard to hate someone when you get to know them even people that you don't actually like when you get to know them and understand like oh that's actually why you're like that you grade yeah. me but that's why you're like that it's like I can't hate you you maybe I'd be the same way if I was if I grew up like that you know yep couldn't agree more. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, all right. So let's, let's pivot a little bit outside of the, of just of your, uh, I don't want to call it your day job, but your, uh, your, your, 
your big career passion at Shield Sexton. I, I want to talk um, about Russell's building camp and just get into um, what, why'd you start that? I'm not actually familiar with how long you start, how long ago you started it, but if you would walk us through why'd you start it, um, how long did it take to get traction? How's the support been? And just, you know, fill everyone in on what Russell's building camp is. Russell's building camp, it is uh, a camp. It, we adopt a pop-up model, meaning that we literally pop up and hold workshops for, you know, kids of all ages. And we probably shouldn't even say kids anymore because I'll say that our youngest is probably four years old. And we have, you know, young people all the way past the age of 30 at this point. And having said this, it's introducing uh, groups of people to the amazing world of building, constructing, using your hands, using your minds to create, uh, working right through the building trades and the many things, uh, the tools that we use growing up that so many from, you know, underrepresented communities, especially opportunities that they may have never had, because in reality, they may ne have never had the opportunity to, you know, work along with their dad or their mom or their uncle on a plumbing project or, you know, replacing a circuit or things along those lines. So it's really just an inspiration of using the joys that come through building and giving those same joys to young people. And it's been extraordinary. Actually, we're in our 12th month of existence right now. So it hasn't even been a full year. Wow. And, you know, it really came about in a very organic sense. This is something that I always wanted to do, always dreamed of doing, but last year, you know, in a pandemic where so many of our kids and our children, you know, they didn't have the opportunity to go to school anymore. Things were shut down. And, you know, myself and a few of my friends and colleagues, these are things that we're very, very passionate about. So we actually came together one day, we had a meeting of the minds and I threw out the idea. And, you know, I thought that, you know, a few would look at me like I was crazy and say, yeah, we may be a few years away from that. But to be honest with you, they said, hey, why not do it now? Why not? I mean, now or never. Let's do it now. Now, say this, man. One thing led to another so quickly as far as getting sponsorships, selling the vision to industry partners, uh, Lowe's company, different restaurants, different material suppliers, just selling the vision. And I'll say that folks fell in love almost instantly. And it just took off so quickly that it's remarkable to think that we've had the progress that we've had in just a year's time. I, I'm curious, um, did you did you get that type of buy-in and sponsorship before you started creating content around it? Or did you launch it, create content, and then that's what continued to draw people in? So early on, we had enough buy-in. We had enough buy-in where we could do one initial camp. And the first mm -hmm. initial camp, we actually held 11 young boys the youngest was five years old and the oldest was 10 and we held 11 boys we did a pop-up camp and we introduced them to you know the the common tools you know phillips phillips screwdriver uh, flathead screwdriver you know just some of the the common tools and we put gains around those and in our minds you know we thought just doing one camp and giving these you know 10 boys an opportunity to learn these things would be fun and we had pat ourselves on the back and we thought the rest you know, we you know, we just thought it would be a done deal at that point. But I'll say that when we actually got there and seeing, you know, these kids getting to actually put on the hard hats and the safety glasses and put on the gloves and the tool belts, they went absolutely berserk over these activities, man. And the parents loved it. And almost instantaneously, the feedback that we got 
was so incredible that we were being pressured for the next one, the next one, the next one. Mm. And luckily enough, we actually had a videographer there on hand. So some of the content that we were able to produce from that first camp, when folks saw that, then all of a sudden, you know, folks began to beat down our doors and they wanted to be involved. And one thing led to another and it just grew in rapid succession. That's awesome and good to hear. Uh, I'm fortunate that you had the videographer and, and um, I, I'd encourage everyone to please, please check out the videos. They're incredible. It's hard. And when you see how he produces the videos and how he produces the camp, it's incredible. It just hits on so many levels. I think one of the things that y'all do a really good job of is glamorizing construction a little bit. They treat it like sports. Like these kids, they get their awards, they get their trophies, and you see the look of accomplishment on their face. Like it's incredible. It's 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 incredible. It's hard not to get behind that. Um, and so we talk a lot about digital trends, and you know I think that's a lot of negative things get talked about digital trends. But I don't know if a program like this could expand as quickly as it has in only twelve months if you weren't leveraging social platforms and getting the video stuff out there. No way, no way. I'll say that you know the content that you're mentioning the photos, the video, telling the story through, you know, video content, you know, that's what really captures the essence of the vision, what we're trying to do, the impact that we're making on lives. So, I mean, no, without that, it would be impossible for us to make the progress that we've made thus far. Yeah, I want to I want to circle back and talk a little bit about LinkedIn just um, for some of our audience. But I mean, this is like this is why we talk for so long, because we have so many things aligned. Um, there's another there's another point I want to highlight in case people don't go check out the videos because I know that's an extra step for some people and being a marketer I know that's friction, uh, <laughs> but uh, when you um you you also do a really good job of highlighting and and now that I really understand your story I'm sure it's because of the architecture background the art of construction. And I've heard multiple examples of yourself talking about it. And I don't remember the gentleman's name, who, the carpenter who was telling the kids, he just did an incredible job of talking about how much he loved this and how it's an art form. And you, it is, it is. And the really true, like we talked about this, there's a difference between a tradesman and a craftsman. Yes. And craftsmen, it is art. And they do care about it. And they do love it that much. And they're not going to leave one thing unfinished. It doesn't matter if they, if you don't ever see it, they know it's there and they're going to make sure it's right. Absolutely. And, I think that's so so different and so unique and I don't I don't know any other way that you could get that across unless you were producing this video content that's just incredible. Um the other point I want to highlight that is probably a more obvious one but uh I I don't think that people understand it. There's a um there's a really big planning aspect to construction that if you've never really been in it, you don't understand it. And if you can plan a construction project and estimate a construction project, you can use that same framework and that same ability to do a lot. You yes. can deconstruct a million different types of things and understand how to do that. And I saw another, I saw a video of you the other day that was incredible and you were talking about that. You spent, I think it was like three or four minutes and you're explaining to these kids the plan, like, hey, here's the importance of the plan. This is what you're doing, you're doing the drawings. And then I love it at the end, he said, now let's go build something. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a passion in me coming out. At some point I get sick of running my mouth and I'm ready to go play with some hammers, man. <laughs> uh, I, I love it though. I love it though. It's great. So I just, I want everyone to check that out. And I know if you follow me, I like all, I like whenever I see your content, I like it. So hopefully people are exposed to, and hopefully you're starting to get some draft off my stuff and we're getting that. Cause I just, um, I, the, the the thing I think in my mind is how do I how do I get Russell to Akron, Ohio to help me here in Akron, Ohio do the same thing he's doing there because I don't think I could do it like you can so I'll need a little bit of help but um, I'm Anytime. passionate like you are. Anytime and let me say this I, I really appreciate your support and you know we're talking about LinkedIn 
Man, it's an it's an awesome tool. It really is an awesome tool. And, you know, I was just having a conversation with a friend yesterday where I said, you know, when I first start posting on LinkedIn, maybe three or four years ago, I used to be so discouraged. And, you know, you deal with that anxiety that comes to posting on social media where you want to be liked and you want to get the support that you're hoping to get. I think my first post for some time, man, I couldn't get maybe any reactions at all. But, you know, now I would say that LinkedIn in so many ways it's helped make my career. It really has. So for you to say that, you know, you give me the support that you do, which I always appreciate and I try to give it right back to you, man, I take that to heart. I really do. And I just want to say thanks. Of course, of course. It's I'm, I'm it's a, it's an honor to be honest with you. I'm curious. Uh, when did you get, when did you, um, when did you get interested in LinkedIn? How did you, so how did you overcome the fear of posting? This is a thing a lot of people deal with. Why don't you help them from a tactical standpoint? Like, Hey, how what what drew you to the platform? What how'd you get started and how'd you overcome the fear of posting? Really, what drew me to the platform was, you know, there was a time I can't recall who it was, but someone made the mention. They said LinkedIn is a professional social media network. And, you know, as a young aspiring professional, you know, I just thought, you know, I've been through enough hardships, was still trying to find my footing within my career, job searching, what have you. I mean, I could go to Indeed or you know career builder the things along those lines i'm not even sure a career builder is still around but i thought why not make a profile on linkedin and you know i didn't have much to populate my page with but you know the things that i had accomplished in any way shape or form you know i just made a profile put a pretty good picture on and you know began to connect with individuals that i did recognize that were a part of my network naturally i had a very small network because i didn't know very many people but naturally over the course of times my network began to grow and one thing that i would challenge myself to do and i still do this now anytime i went on any job site anytime i sat in any job meeting where i'm dealing with architects and engineers and ownership groups i would always write down on a side piece of paper or make a note on the meeting minutes uh or the meeting agenda exactly who the individuals were that i was in contact with in the room and what i would do I would then go to LinkedIn in my free time and I would look up every one of those individuals and I would connect with them. And ever so often, if there was something that I recall one said that stuck with me, I may say, you know, hey, Mr. Johnson, I really enjoyed meeting you earlier today. I really appreciated the comment because it helped me in such a way. And I think that really learning to use it in a very human-like way, in a very organic and natural sense, really helped build my confidence in using LinkedIn as a tool, knowing that what it really is, is simply just a networking tool, just yeah. digital. Yeah. And I, you know, you, you, you nailed that too, and said it so well, the, the human aspect of it. I think that's where a lot of people get it wrong. It's, you know, it, they do stuff on LinkedIn that they wouldn't do in real life. Like the, the way they communicate with people, like the, the, all the, the spammy stuff that people try and do to get in people's inbox. Like that stuff doesn't work. Like right. uh, that, that's not what people are on the platform for. And when you try and do that and you don't come across as human, that comes across too. And that's where, you know, when, when I hear people and they talk about their LinkedIn struggle, it's like, well, let's see what you're doing. It's like, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> that, right. You're struggling because you wouldn't like you if you were on the other side of that. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. Just being natural and just being a person, just being an, and of course, professional, mm -hmm. but being a natural professional per person 
and, and just engaging, not being afraid to engage with folks and, you know, jumping on a post and saying great job or this was a great read or I really appreciate your content or that was a nice, interesting, provoking thought that you shared there. Just using it in a very human like way, you begin to grow comfortable and, and, and before you know it, you'll start to develop somewhat of, I guess, what the young people call a following. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the youth. That's not me. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm only 33, but I mean, I, I hate to use that word, a following, but <laughs> yeah, because it's not what you got. It's not what you got there. It's not what you're right, out exactly. there for, right? You're right for the human connection. Um, yeah. I'm. Did you? Uh, do you connect with people that have you, and do you connect with people you don't know? Absolutely, I absolutely do. Uh, it, once again, I might be mad on your page, and there may be something that you post. And, you know, we've heard the term before, I'm just here for the comments. Well, for whatever <laughs> reason, I love just going through comments on different posts. And, you know, every so often, there's an individual where either they leave an interesting comment on a post or they have, to me, what looks like an intriguing title or job title or a description or short bio to their name. I'll click on them, I'll scroll up and down their page, and I connect with them. Once again, I'm, I'm learning just to you know, grow my network by just organically interacting with people. Yeah, that that's great. It's it's funny. That's another thing that people struggle to overcome. It's like, don't you say hi to strangers? Some, I mean, yeah, right. sometimes, right? I do. Right. Absolutely. Uh, this and this is the kind of strange part. And I think it's because it. I think at a certain level, of, um, leadership thinks they have to be stuffy. There's this reluctance of um, of people to like and comment on things on LinkedIn. Like there's a high bar to get people to get engagement. If you, if you, if you've ever produced content on a consistent basis, you know exactly what we're talking about right now. You'll have a lot of people that will come up to you in real life and say, Oh, I really like your stuff. I'm like, you've never even said like, like your comment on it. I don't understand. Like, can you just do the digital thing for me? It actually helps me. And they're like, Oh yeah. You know, I didn't think about that, but for some reason um, you don't see a lot of that. I don't understand it. Cause I'm, I'm like you. I, if I see something awesome, I, I like that's how I came across your content. Someone that I knew somewhere came liked one of your things. I was like, who is this guy? He is awesome. And I, the very first post I saw of yours, I remember I made a comment on and connected with you. And I, I don't, I don't meet a ton of other people that are like that. I'm glad you're like that too. But I, why do you Thank think you. that is? I, I have no idea, man. I have no idea at all. I mean. It's funny the way that we all utilize social media is so different. It's so different. And but I'll say that I learned even listening to you right now. And I think that's something that I've done as well that I've probably learned to be successful utilizing LinkedIn is just paying attention to the way that others also use the tool. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and those that might have, you know, good engagement on their posts and those that do post very powerful content and information, just learning from them. And it's no different than the industry that you and I are in. You know, there's nothing wrong whatsoever with stealing the secret sauce from anyone. Nothing yeah. wrong whatsoever. So, you know, as much as I can, I'm trying to figure out what the secret sauce is. And if you're having success, I'm telling you right now, I'm stealing your ideas, man. Hey, I'm giving it out. That's I, th that's the thing. I I um, and that maybe that's what it drives from. I I believe I'm an abundance person, right? I yeah. um, I don't have a scarcity mentality. I'm not worried about telling people the way I do things. I mean, obviously, like if I was worried about trying to keep my LinkedIn engagement strategy secret, I wouldn't be doing a podcast talking about it every week. Um, point, but I'm a, I'm a yeah, like, and I'm a big believer in. I, 
I'm not really competing. I'm not competing with anyone except for myself. And it's the world in some instances may be a zero sum game, but it's not in a majority, if not 99% of spaces. If you're, if you're trying to win a sports championship, absolutely. It's a zero sum game. There's only yep. one winner, but in life, it's about doing it together. It's about the yes. tribe. It's about lifting others. And there's plenty of space. There's plenty of money. There's plenty of opportunity. And the more people we bring along, the more opportunity it creates. It becomes perpetual. But you see people that are reluctant and they're like, oh, I'm not going to talk to this person. I'm not going to tell them this or I can't tell them that secret. It's like, okay. <laughs> Crazy, man. Crazy. Very well right? said. Yeah, very well said. Uh all right. Well, um, I could talk to you forever, but we try and keep this uh, under under right around 45 minutes. So uh, we'll we'll go towards the end here. Before we get into your best routine and habit, I want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything you want to say about Russell's building camp, about way people ways people can support you, or just anything that you kind that you want to talk about before we get into that routine or habit? Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity, Matt. So Russell's building camp right now. Uh, we're very excited where we actually now have established uh, our incorporation and we are right now working through our 501c3 designation with the IRS. So having said this, you know, anyone that wants to give to Russell's Building Camp and our vision to continue to provide, you know, the joys of building to young people, not just you know, the underrepresented, but any and everyone that has an interest in this industry, we would love to work with you. We would love to partner with you, whether it be a monetary donation, whether it be a donation of time, whether it be, you know, putting on a workshop in a remote location, I would be more than happy to engage with anyone that would like to reach out to me and really help to continue to push this great initiative. Because once again, this is what I love to do. This is my passion. And the more kids, the more young people that we can reach, the better our future and the better of this industry that we all love. And so I would love to work with you in any capacity. And I appreciate even the time and understanding that you've taken just to hear me out on this. So thanks a lot, Matt. Of course, that was perfect. And so I'm just going to say it. And I know this is going to be a part of it, but clip that. And so I'm going to encourage everyone that's consuming this right now because it's going to be posted on LinkedIn. I know a lot of construction folks. If you're wondering how to get involved, if you're wondering how to help the industry, if you don't have time to do it, there's someone sitting right here that does have the time, that does have the reach, that does have the desire. And so there's no excuse not to be able to make a positive impact. And what better to do it by supporting people that are already out there doing it. You're not giving to a charity. You're actually able to see what you're helping. And it is not a charity. It is giving people the ability to improve their lives on, a, on a, an incredible scale that hopefully it can continue to grow. So I'm going to encourage and shame everyone to ch make sure they check this out, make sure that they, they take an action. And, um, you know, why don't, why don't, why don't we, why don't we try and find more Adrian Russell's out there and help them set up their boot camps in your city? Um, so on that note, let's transition to, you know, you're, a, you're a very successful person have overcome a lot. What would you say your, your best routine and habit that sets you up for success is? Well, I would say every day uh, I seek to really better myself spiritually, physically, emotionally, intellectually, as well as artistically. And, and honest to goodness, uh, and I would say that, you know, spiritually, you know, one thing, just small challenges, I would say, you know, waking up in the morning and just giving thanks. And I come from a very religious background. Uh, I was raised on faith. So, you know, I give thanks to God 
my creator. I give thanks to him every morning I wake up before I ask anything of anyone or set any expectations for the day. When I first open my eyes, I just want to say, God, thank you just for another day for life, health and strength. Uh, you know, physically every day I set out to, you know, do some form of physical activity. I'm very much into fitness. You know, I always have been since playing sports at a young age in high school football. So every day I want to push myself physically to continue to advance my physical health. Um, as far as emotionally, you know, just making sure that I take the time to enjoy friends and family, uh, you know, laughter, things along those lines, coworkers, going to lunch, just really just having a good time enjoying being alive, especially now in a global pandemic where, you know, we've lost so many and there's been so many that, you know, has offset our lives and, you know, our regular way of living. I just want to make sure that every day I'm just enjoying being here in general. Intellectually, you know, I strive to read something thought provoking every day and that could be anything. I mean, I could, could read about, you know, the race to Mars. I could read about, you know, uh, the, the Siberian tigers, anything, anything interesting that I can read that will prompt me to want to do more research or figure out what a term or what a word meant. I'm pushing to do that every day and then even artistically. So I'm a bass guitar player. So one thing that I've done even a lot as of late, and I actually posted a video on LinkedIn last week where, you know, when I get the time, I'll hear a jingle or there'll be an old song in my head. It may be a, a song by the Beatles or what have you. And, you know, I'll jump on my bass and I just want to learn that riff or I want to learn that tune or what have you. And I'm doing that really to just push another creative side of my brain and of my development. And I feel that every day, once again, spiritually, physically, emotionally, intellectually, artistically, if I can help refine those things daily, I figure, man, at one point I reach greatness. At some point I reach greatness and I reach my potential. So that I would say that's my habit. That is a you uh, you you put a lot of thought and that's a heck that that's a heck of a set of routines. Um, I'm curious, do you have a do you have a favorite book you'd recommend to uh, young professionals? Something that what your fit, most impactful book? Wow, my most impactful book. That's hard to say. That's really hard to say because I I, I read so many things and I'll say that you know right now I I can't even explain why. Well, I can. I've always loved astronomy. The Martian right now is is my favorite book. And I mean, I have such a, a crazy mind to where, you know, there's no professional book or what have you on the secrets to, you know, a better professional life. I'll say that I'm just into things that just take my mind just way out into the distance and really just, I don't know, just prompt my imagination. So right now, The Martian for me, that probably stands as my favorite book. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, and that was kind of unfair. I've thought about that for some reason quite a bit the last couple of weeks, like because I've been thinking about like what if I were to pick, if I were to just pick like three books that that would help someone. Like if you do, if you read these three books and understand it, you can really create your own life. But it's funny you mentioned the astronomy before we wrap up. I've got this on my next reading list. Oh, Neil man. Tyson, it's a, this is <laughs> yeah, this man. is the next on my list. Uh, yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, astrophysics for people in a hurry. So yeah, uh, everyone. Yeah, Good. things like that, man. Things like that for me. One thing is, I mean, I'm always trying to, I, I think I'm always trying to uh, allow my imagination to never be limited. You know what I mean? Just my creative energy and the things that I dream of. So having said that, that book there, those are the types of things that really, I think really just light a fire inside of me to just 
think way past the things that I can see or the things that are common to us and do maybe the impossible. Those things really, really inspire me. Nice. Well, we're going to we're going to end on that. Uh, so, Adrian, I want, I want to thank you again. I want to encourage everyone that's listening to this to check out your stuff. If you've been listening, if you're at this point in the podcast and you know who Engaging Perspectives is, so I don't really want to plug EP right now. I want to plug Russell's building group again and encourage everyone to go check out his content. Follow him on LinkedIn. And if you can, help out. However you can help out, do what you can. And if you can't, you can help out by giving them a digital like and making sure that content gets produced. That's the bare minute. You can at least do that. So, all right, everyone, have a great week. And uh, we will see you all on next week's episode of The Buyer's Market.